Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Autumn Schrock, a professional travel, landscape, and astrophotographer who recently relocated to Salt Lake City after a great run in the Pacific Northwest. We talked about her experience as a Sony ambassador, their alpha female program, her obsession with photographing the moon, and we dug in a bunch on creativity across artistic disciplines. Uh, Autumn, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be on here with me. I have admired your work for a long time. It's probably been at least a couple of years. Just, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, you bet. Um, well, I think it's probably fair to mention I've had Nate on here twice and you guys do a lot of work together. If anybody's been paying any attention to the podcast at all and they've listened to <laughs> The previous episodes, they probably are already familiar with a lot of your work, and they probably seen um, seen you on uh, seen you on on some videos. Would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, sure. Um, I am a full time professional photographer, and I specialize in travel, landscape, and astrophotography. Um, I just moved from Seattle to Salt Lake City, so I'm still settling in and sort of finding my groove here in a new city. But I love it so far. Well, I've, that's that's a huge move, and um, you didn't you didn't uh, tease with that too far in advance. You guys just kind of dropped it on everybody. I have never been to Salt Lake City before. <laughs> I had never even seen the house that we moved into. Uh, Nate and I were kind of just getting a little bit tired of the Seattle gloom, yeah. and we were both living and working out of an 800 square foot apartment. Honestly, oh, wow. that's, that's being generous in the square footage. Um, yeah. and it was, it was getting really tough. It's pricey. And so we were like, let's maybe try something else for a little bit. If we don't like yeah. it, we can always come back. And Nate had been to Salt Lake city a lot and he loved that it was super close to the mountains. I mean, it's like on the mountains basically. Right. Um, and I just trusted him that I would like it. And then we got here and I just, my mind has been blown. It's gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I don't know the specifics on climate, but I know that a lot of times when you just cross over into a, a once you cross over a mountain range, it just, it's drastically changes everything. And out there you're a couple mountain ranges away from the coast. So you end up with, God, I mean, it's, it's probably, it's ridiculous it's up in the, you know, couple hundred plus days of sunshine a year. Yeah. It's As a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> My plants are very happy. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, so you've just been down there for what, a couple weeks now, less, maybe less than that. Yeah. It's been, yeah, I think it's been about three weeks now. Okay. Three weeks. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really exciting. I have, I've had a couple different friends that have moved down to that area from the Northwest and it's been the same kind of thing. They just go, Oh my, you wouldn't even, it's my, my, my brain and my skin and my vitamin D all, it's like they all came to life. It's like I'm a new person. Yeah. I mean, Seattle will always be home to me. It's not where I was raised, but it's felt like my sort of adoptive home, if you will. Sure. So it'll always hold a dear place in my heart, but I am thoroughly enjoying winter sunshine. That is for sure. 
Well, you've posted a couple pictures over the last few days that have um, that have stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's a sunset. I cannot believe it's like every single night this week we've had amazing sunsets. It's fantastic. I love it. That's really cool. Um, so you mentioned you're, you spent you spent a lot of time in, in Seattle area feels like home, but where are you actually from? I am actually from Indiana, which wow. is a very exciting landscape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so exciting that there's there were uh, really uh, really popular uh, uh, sitcoms based on things in Indiana, right? Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> Parks and Rec. I mean, just. Uh, I had um, actually never seen that until 20 or wait, was it? I think 2020 maybe. Wow. Yeah. I had kind of stayed away from it purposefully. Um, yeah. And then Nate told me, you have to watch it. You're going to love it. And of course I yeah. fell in love with it. And of it's, course. it's interesting watching it as a Hoosier because yeah. there are so many things that other people probably don't catch that I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever watched Portlandia? Yeah. Okay, so I mean, being somebody who's I'm not originally from Portland, but um, have lived here, I want to say it's it's close to 20 years at this point, and it's it's so spot on <laughs> that, that that a lot of times you're kind of offended because you know I go okay yeah they're making fun of somebody and then I realize no they're making making fun of me that's yeah that, <laughs> I am that person I I have stood in line at brunch restaurants for ridiculous amounts of time and um that sort of thing so yep um yeah you know exactly where your chicken comes from and how it (laughs) lived yeah (laughs) the first time i saw that episode um i had i had been to a restaurant that had all that information listed uh wow that had all the all of the all of the the poultry from this farm came from it didn't have their name of course but uh, sure it did say what farm they came from and it was a local farm of course of course. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, so Indiana. So how did you, how did you end up in the, in the Seattle area? I was in Indianapolis and I had just graduated college and a job opportunity randomly came up down in Louisville. And I was like, I, I guess I'll do it. I'm not really doing anything super important here in Indianapolis. Nothing's tying me here. So the job was, um, retouching jewelry and watches for Amazon. Oh, wow. Okay. So I moved to Louisville. I was there for about 10 months. I was photographing their scale images. So if you go through some of the product images, you'll see like a light blue outline of someone like holding a book or something yeah. for scale. I was shooting those and then retouching photos as well. Um, and a crew had come out from Seattle to sort of help set up the warehouse that I was working in. And they all told me how amazing Seattle was and I'd always wanted to visit. And so of course I had to visit and then I instantly fell in love. I was like, these are my people. I belong here. And you know, Amazon is here so I can transfer. And basically that was it. And then I moved out and I worked for Amazon for a little bit. And then literally I think it was two or three months after I moved there, they were like, Oh, Hey, yeah. So you shot everything. There's nothing more. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so then I had to find another job, but that's where I wow. fell into graphic design actually. So that's a whole nother segment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that, well, that's a, such an interesting background because I think a lot of have, having a graphic design and, and retouching background is not something that most landscape nature adventure photographers have. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I know a few. Um, I it, it comes up every once in a while, and it's almost surprising. Sometimes you go, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, you, oh you need a logo. Oh yeah, well, you know, Keith can do it. You know, <laughs> sure. Like, oh, you mean Keith, the guy who shoots all the eagles and stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah, he. Okay, cool. Hey Keith, let's work this up. So it's 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 kind of funny. It surprises me um, because I'm so awful at graphic design. I'm one of those. I'm just dangerous enough that I can kind of make stuff that looks, <laughs> you know, passable, but it's not. It's not exciting. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a skill, just like photography. You know. Yeah. You can be naturally good at it, but you can also learn a lot about it yeah. and get good at it. Yeah. So you moved down to Louisville. I love how you are obviously from the area because you say it the right way. Um, <laughs> I've never been there, but I, you know, I, I pride myself on having at least somewhat correct pronunciations of of towns that are, mm-hmm. you know, you you wouldn't pronounce it that way unless you live there. Sure. Um, but you moved there to take a job doing shooting product photos and retouching. So you were already in photography back even back then. Yes, correct. I and went you to- have a degree in um, photography as well. Fine. Yep. Yeah. So I went to school for photography. And so I was doing, um, you know, sort of just freelance while I was in school, you know, photographing a million different things. I was shooting architecture, I was shooting weddings, portraits, products, basically everything to try to figure out sort of what I liked and what I wanted to do when I graduated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Amazon thing came up and I was like, you know, I'm not super crazy about the thought of like shooting products. But I think it's a good opportunity. And I learned so much from all those uh, more experienced photographers that were there. So I'm really glad that I took the job. But I quickly learned that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It's not very, there's, there is a lot of photography that's not very exciting, but it can be lucrative because of the volume. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that's one of those things that you kind of have to learn at some point. And there was something almost meditative about it because we were in an assembly. So there were um, like the preppers who would like clean all the jewelry and then you would shoot it. And then, you know, there would be like the the digitech, they called them, where yeah. they would like, you know, put them into the computer and whatnot. But it was sort of this process where you could kind of just like get in the zone and it was, yeah, kind of meditative. But at the end of the day, it was kind of exhausting also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, um, I, I, did a, a shoot this last year that was shooting an entire product line for a company. And we set up a studio in their um, headquarters, uh, basically with a giant a table with just, you know, seamless and a whole, it was surrounded with lights. And I had their graphic designer um, as my assistant, kind of as a digital tech, which was pretty mm, cool. Mm-hmm. But he and I were completely, we were working like between eight and 12 hour days for four days straight. And I mean, I just, for probably three days after I was done, just was useless. My brain yeah. was just shot. I couldn't. <laughs> it's it's interesting because you'd think like, oh, this is something so simple on the surface. And then you finish it and you're like, I am absolutely overwhelmed and exhausted. And I never want to look at a product again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and especially sh- shooting pictures of shiny metal things. That's one yeah. of those. Yeah, uh, it's very kinda, challenging. You have to either get a process down or be ready to do lots of variations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So at what point, if, if I were to look at your work, oh, and I have, but if anybody were to look at your work now, that's really different from any of that. Mm-hmm. So how did you go from going to school for photography and shooting product to adventure landscape um, lifestyle work? Yeah, I mean, you moved to Seattle. If that's how you describe like, it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you can't move somewhere as beautiful as, you know, Seattle or the PNW and not be just completely like in love with the scenery there. So basically I was, um, after the Amazon work dried up, I got a job at Zulily and I was doing graphic design there. And then on the weekends, I was doing this sort of weekend warrior, I guess, where I was hiking and adventuring. And I mean, I'd never hiked before. There's no hiking in Indiana. <laughs> you know, they're cornfields, you know? Yeah. So I was sort of experience, experiencing many new things. But Hiking um, there is called going for a walk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was going out and hiking and I was like, this is just unreal. I've never seen, I'd never seen mountains before. And at that point I was like, you know, I should stop just bringing my phone with me. I have a camera. I went to school for photography. I should take photos while I'm out. And that's just sort of how it started where it's, you're taking photos on these little personal adventures and then it grows into this passion and you're like, okay, I think I need to switch up my life here a little bit and try to make a living from this. So. No, that's great. That's great. So at what point, um, I'm not, I don't even know. I don't know if I was following you before, um, before you were with Nate, before you guys, uh, were mm-hmm. a couple before you, before you started shooting together. Um, but how did that, how did that happen? And how has that kind of changed what you're pursuing now? Like, how did we meet? Yeah. Yeah. He, so my roommate um, at the time was Charlie Savely. Okay, yeah. Um, she, I don't a while ago her name her handle was Char- Charlotte Little Wolf. So that I don't yeah. know if that rings a bell too. But um, so we were living together, and she had like a pretty big following, and she posted a photo of me on her Instagram. And I guess Nate followed her, and he saw it, and he thought ah. I was cute. So he slid into my DMs, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Of course. Um, and then that sort of grew just into a friendship because I was dating someone else at the time. So we were kind of just internet friends for like an entire year, I think. And we just connected so well. And obviously uh, my relationship uh, ended. <laughs> and then we decided to meet up to shoot the solar eclipse that happened in 2017. Because mm. he was living in Colorado and I was mm. in Seattle. And the... Um, totality was going to happen like in Idaho ish. So we were like, that's kind of halfway. Mm -hmm. So we met halfway and that was kind of it. We were pretty much inseparable after that. Nice. I like that. It's a great story. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a pretty unique story that the first time we ever met, we were photographing in total solar eclipse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I like the starts with the, he, he, he was, you know, friends with your, with your uh, roommate. And so he slid into your DMS, of course. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I um, and for anybody who's not paying attention, just go look at Nate's YouTube videos or read his captions. You'd know that that's like the least creepy thing. He's he's the probably the least creepy person to do that. So yes, yes, I'm not someone who's just like, oh, someone slid into my DMs. I'm going to talk to them. <laughs> no, that's not Nate's yeah. style. Yeah, he's the prototypical. I think I could go out and hang out, hang with him, and have a beer. <laughs> Yeah, he's or, or so whatever fun. beverage of choice. Yeah, he's the fun one in our relationship. I keep him grounded. <laughs> there we go. Well, and I, I he mentioned that um, when I was interviewing him um, just after uh, or just before uh, Light Side Up came out, he he mentioned how fastidious about detail that you are, and how much he's not. So he he confessed that of his own accord which was uh, 
which I thought was 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 respectable. Yeah, that's a good. That's a big step. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's that's very true. I am definitely very detail oriented, which plays into my graphic design. You know, you kind of have to be very detail oriented to catch little things, and yeah, he's not as much. <laughs> well, I I. I relate to him a little bit more than I do to you. And it's not an easy thing for us to admit that we're not very good at that stuff. Um, but there so are the, strengths than that. Oh, sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, the, one of the biggest strengths you can do is to find people that you trust that will have your back. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I people think like, you know, you go into a job interview and it's like, oh, I'm very detail oriented, but like that can also be not a great thing i get caught up in details and it's like big picture autumn so it's good to have nate there to sort of we balance each other out very well yeah yeah i um i was and i think you know kind of talking about just that little bit of 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 that juxtaposition or that kind of yin and yang i think i really picked up on that watching the the light side of uh video and just and he, both both hearing Nate talk about it in our previous interviews, but also just watching the chemistry of your of the team as you guys were working through things, it was really cool to see um, just how well you supported each other um, when when things weren't going the way that you'd hoped they would. Yeah, you're. That's actually interesting that you picked up on that. I haven't heard that from anyone yet, but that's really interesting. Um, it was. Yeah, it was really tough having to be that, you know, support for your partner, but you're also like aching because what's happening, but like this was his brainchild, so I had to kind of be the supportive like it's okay. We're going to we're going to find this thing. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah. Gosh, I don't even want to relive that. <laughs> right. What well, kind of it kind of reminds me of um I don't know if you did you ever I know that he's mentioned it before. But did you ever build rockets as a kid? I didn't. Okay. This watching it was kind of like both doing it myself, but also watching my teenage now, my now teenage sons do that when they were, you know, probably at like 10, 11, 12. And you build this thing and sometimes they take off and it's awesome. And other times mm-hmm. they explode on the launch pad. And yes, you have to kind of watch and go, uh, uh, and it's your baby. And so <laughs> watching, watching Nate, uh, kind of just devolve when it wasn't going right. I was like, that's like, I, that's like watching a little kid's dream die. Yeah. <laughs> it like a thousand times over, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. That was so painful. But looking back, like, I'm kind of glad it happened. In the sense that I feel like it made, well, first, I mean, it made the documentary more interesting, but on a deeper level, I feel like it upped our passion for the project of like, no, we have to succeed now. Like we have to go on. And um, it was sort of this hurdle that we had to overcome. And then in the end, it made it more rewarding. So yeah, exactly. Um, Cool. Well, I want to, I want to move on to something else. I'd love to... People have heard a lot about that project, yeah, and, and we'll we'll come back to it. Um, I would love to know what are you working on these days? That stuff that's kind of for your for your own creative vision, stuff that's important to you. What is the stuff you're working on for yourself? Well, my um, my Happy Moon Day series is the series that I'm kind of working on for my my own personal enjoyment right now. Um, I 
have always been obsessed with the moon in like kind of a creepy way. <laughs> like I'm literally <laughs> wearing a moon ring right now. Hey, but, there you go. Um, and using a moon mouse pad. But um, there's always just been this strange fascination. I think it's just kind of tying into light side up where I'm I'm very interested in space and things that are sort of of this, not of this world. Um, yeah. And so once I started getting into photography, I was like, well, this is great because I can further that passion of the moon and actually make something of it versus just staring at it. So I started shooting the moon, sort of figuring out how to even do that because that's actually mm -hmm. really challenging. Uh -huh. um, and I just had this sort of like backlog of photos of the moon that I hadn't done anything with. And I was like, you know, I'm going to post a photo. And it randomly was on a Monday. And I was like, oh, this is great. I can there call it go. Moon Day. Right. And so then from from that point on, it's been several years now where I've just posted moon photos on Mondays and saying like, happy Moon Day and trying to sort of kill that dread that everybody has on Monday of like, yeah. oh, I have to go back to work and just hoping that, you know, it's maybe sparks some joy or some inspiration for someone as they're starting their week. Um so yeah, that's kind of the the personal project I'm working on now where I'm stalking photo pills and trying to find, you know, where the moon's going to line up in a fun way. And I'm so excited now to be in Salt Lake City because there are so many mountains around and mm -hmm. um, I've been I've been having a lot of fun playing around with photo pills and trying to figure out some new fun alignments. Yeah, but it's it, that seems like that's one of my favorite favorite things is to is to get up, get Google Earth out and and get out and I use a TPE um primarily but to get those two things out and then um sky guide have you ever used that before oh i haven't used that uh, yeah so so when we were uh, i just posted a, a picture of the comet from this last summer mm -hmm. and and it was funny because people asked again i'm like well first of all you can't see it again it's we're not that's not gonna happen again <laughs> yeah. we're still gonna live that long <laughs> but Sky Guide was amazing, and it's just an—it's a regular app you can get on. I, I don't know if it's available on Android, but it's a—I've had it for years on on iOS, and basically it just overlays a graphical representation of what stars and constellations are going to be available, mm -hmm. and then it and you and it has compass built in, so you can just hold it up, and it has um, a virtual or a, a augmented reality version, and it also has just a regular graphical one. But it was—it's really cool because you can begin to line up if you can look for certain constellations you can figure out exactly where they're going to come up at it helps you really pinpoint even more accurately exactly where the moon will be or where the milky way is going to line up and exactly what time and how the alignment's going to work and i think the reason i prefer using a combination of that and tpe is because i'm a i'm such a visual person in terms of how i plan things and i mm -hmm. always felt like photo pills is like it's not it's not quite um, it's not quite graphical enough for me. It's, sure. it's more like, Hey, here's a line of dots. This is where it's going to be. But this one actually shows you a, a actual graphical view of what will the core look like? Mm. Where will these nebulas show up? You can actually see where they are in the sky, which is kind of cool, but you can just nerd out on that stuff for just hours and hours and hours. Oh, gosh, I know. And I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't imagine in that area, there's so many, so many different peaks and little just nooks and crannies between peaks where you can line things up so oh yeah we went out driving the other day and i dropped so many pins of places that i can't, can't wait to go yeah yeah one well, it's i think now that especially now that you're in that area you can also start to kind of 
look on Instagram and kind of creep and figure out what other people are doing and where they found stuff. And it's cool because even if you don't need to know the exact location, if you kind of know even just vaguely where people are doing stuff, you can kind of start to say, okay, those peaks are here and you can come up with your own composition based on what you see other people posting. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just an entirely new playground here. It's awesome. No, it's totally exciting. Um, so while I, it's interesting because you just, you said something, I think it may have been in your stories on Instagram about that one, that one moonshot over Mount Hood that just has been super viral for you, but also has been super uh, pirated and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and called Photoshop. Mm-hmm. What is that? And I, it, it kind of plays in on this, this whole moon thing because it's a gorgeous shot of the moon over Mount Hood. Tell me about that image and what has that been like to kind of deal with having that be a part of your portfolio and having kind of this weird mixed reaction to it? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been very interesting. I actually was a little bit unsure about the photo when I was going to post it. I was like, you know, I'm not, I like this photo personally, but it doesn't seem like something that maybe my followers are going to like. And boy, was I wrong. Um, yeah, I've never had a photo go viral like that photo. Anytime I post it, I know it's just going to soar, which is, I guess, great. But, um, but there's, you know, it's not even just that photo. It's every single moon photo I post. Some of them are Photoshop. Yes. Some of them are not. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter which one it is. Everyone complains. And it just is it's like really disheartening for me as the artist, just trying to create something beautiful for people to enjoy and not yeah. to pick apart as like, this is factual. Like this isn't in Nat Geo, you know, I'm not documenting this as like a photojournalist. You know, I would consider myself an artist, um, especially because my degree is a fine art degree. And that's, you know, it's kind of what I was groomed on, I guess, is sure. fine art. And so um, it's definitely been, you know, it's had its pros and cons, but it's it's hard to see a photo that you love just get torn to shreds because it might be photoshopped. Yeah. Like to me that doesn't matter. I'm not if I'm calling it factual and then it's not. I mean that's something else, but I'm just and I, it's funny because the photo I think you're referencing that I was talking about was posted on Reddit and I wasn't even the person that posted it. Someone posted it. Someone else posted it and of course. it went viral. Reddit. Yeah, of course. Um and it's just interesting the amount of time people put in trying to figure out if it's fake or not. And I think that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like, why? I, I just, I don't yeah. know. It really gets under people's skin if something is fake. And I'm not sure why, I guess. Yeah. What? So let's, I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more. So you talk, you mentioned being, having a degree in fine art. And having that be in an area of study, you've already you already said that you're you're comfortable with you're creating art. This is not you're not a Nat Geo photographer. How does that? How do you come to that? Like, why is that? How you feel about things? I actually think that comes from my love of graphic design. Mm-hmm. There are a lot I mean, you of kind of, you kind of hinted at that already, but sure, yeah. I think it comes down to like my detail-oriented nature that a lot of landscapes aren't perfect, and they're not maybe how I envision them being in my head. 
So I like, like when I see a place, I mean, some places are just perfect, yeah, like Lufthansa, yeah. Norway. It's just like perfect. But um, there are some places where I'm like, oh, I kind of wish it was a little bit like this or this mountain was a little bit like that. And so I'll take sort of creative liberty with it and create my yeah. own piece of, you know, what I think it could be. And I think it's just a really great creative outlet for me to not just document something, but to actually create something. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Um, there's a couple different people that I have been, that I've been fans of for quite a while. And the, one of them that comes to mind is uh, Benjamin Everett, if you follow mm -hmm. him on. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't even, he's not even pretending. You know, yeah. He, he just says, Hey, I'm making stuff. Yep. And it's, and it's interesting because it's so ethereal most of it, almost all his work mm -hmm. but perfect gradients perfect you know every everything is sculpted and it's yeah. and there was even one image that i that i posted i think the first time i ever saw it was it was an image of and, and i i recognized it it's like well that's lake tahoe but it was like lake tahoe from a dream yeah it, it's it's like you just took it up a notch and uh um away i flew um uh and I want to say Ger um, Ger Gerard. Oh, I don't um, remember. Armijo, um, and he's actually here in the Portland area. And it's same. He does. He has a very similar kind of aesthetic where it's just I'm going to go. I'm going to start with a photograph as a base, but I'm going somewhere completely. I'm making. I'm using it as a canvas, and I'm going way off into fantasy land. And I, and I, I just really love that. But I. But it's also interesting for me to love it. And yet to not have that be a thing that I want to do. Absolutely. I mean, there's something about, you know, I appreciate paintings so much. I actually, uh, when I went to college, that was my degree initially was painting. Okay. I love painting. Um, and it ties into a lot with my photography, which I'll get into in a second. But I quickly realized, even though I love it, it's not something that I wanted to do with my art. It didn't speak to me like photography did but I still appreciate it and I love it for mm -hmm. what it is. And I don't try to, you know, I don't know. I don't rag on a painting because it's not real, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But um, I bring a lot of painting techniques into my work. Um, every photo that I post is like, it has my strokes in it in some way, whether it's dealing with the shadows or the highlights, or um, I do a lot of like selective painting in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So that's, it definitely is something that ties into my work, but it's not something that I completely replicate, I guess, if that makes sense. Sure. No, it totally does. Well, so I, what is, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fish a little bit for something. Cause I'm, I'm thinking you and I have some, something in common here. I, in my, so I'm, I've been a photographer for a long time, but only serious about it for, you know, like maybe the last eight to nine years. I was a musician for a long time before that. And that's actually my degrees in music uh, from mm. college. And I, when I left, when I stopped recording music stuff and I stopped uh, writing songs in a large part, it was because this had replaced it as a creative outlet. And I, I found it was one really important thing that kind of was different between, and I'm thinking painting and, and songwriting it's that it takes so long to get to the final version of the thing with music that by the, by the time I finally got it ready and out there, I was already moved on to the next thing. And it's like the, the, the creative process took so long that I 
I just never uh, could engage with it the way that I really wanted to. And photography is like, I mean, I can have that. Sometimes it's minutes, sometimes it's hours, sometimes it's days. And some of my friends will complain that sometimes it's a lot longer than that. that mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I sit on images. <laughs> yep. But but what is what is that time, that difference in time between painting and photography? How does that feel to you? I'm I'm curious if you have any any similar kinds of thoughts. If that's oh, something you dealt with. That was mind blowing, actually, because you hit it exactly on the head. Um, it's funny, I. Uh, also play music and that's also something that i've thought about whereas it's so time consuming if you don't play for a little while it takes so long to get back into the swing of it but nate and i actually were talking about that he plays mandolin and violin i don't know if you know that um i didn't know about violin i knew mandolin yeah he was a trained classical violinist he's amazing he's actually teaching me i'm awful but well and um, i he always he's always posting about bluegrass so and and um and then brian Connolly was uh he, uh, Nate says, "Hey, you got to meet Brian." And we can, he connected us on Facebook, and then all of a sudden, Brian goes, "Wait a second. He posted something, and I was like, "Oh, that's so and so." He's like, "Wait, wait. You know about bluegrass too?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, that's funny." Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, what do you? What do you? What's your? What's your musical background? Um, my both of my grandparents were music teachers, and I was forced onto piano when I was about five. Hey, but, that's how that, that happens to a lot of us. <clears throat> yeah. And it, I really hated having to practice in the recitals when I was a kid. And then once I got to about seventh or eighth grade, I just loved it. And I played religiously every single day after school. Um, so yeah, it was sort of this, like I born out of this trauma, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But no, yeah, piano is my my instrument of choice now. But anyway, back to your question. That was a yeah, long yeah. tangent. Sorry. I derailed you. Um, I think you're absolutely right that there, for you, with you talking about, you know, how it takes so long to get to the final version of a song. I think a lot of it for me was that I really, with painting, I, I loved the process of it. I loved the physicality of it but I really don't like getting my hands dirty and like getting Mm. dirty and icky. It's like this weird thing that I have where I love nature and I love like walking around barefoot, but my hands, I have a thing with my hands where they can't get like dirty. It's so silly. But, um, so I use a giant tablet now on my computer, you know, as, as I'm Photoshopping and it feels like I'm painting and I'm getting that same physicality with it Mm -hmm. without having to get my hands dirty. So Mm. there you have it. That's pretty, uh, pretty clever. No, well, I like that. And I, there was, I I had like this moment a few years where I just realized that that was kind of what was going on is that, um, like this is, this is weird, but creativity, like you have to have some kind of outlet for it, I think. And, and for me, once I didn't have an audience, I stopped writing. Um, Mm. And I, I feel like the reason I didn't have an audience is because everything just took so dang long. I mean, re- I've literally recorded one complete album and that's it. And I just, because the process was so taxing and so mentally challenging that I just was like, I can't do that anymore. And yeah. I don't, every once in a while I'll see people that are either really accomplished at something like that or something like painting or, um, or even just ridiculously talented graphic artists. And I watch what they do and I go, I can't even fathom the amount of work it goes into making that and i think maybe it's just, i'm a little bit lazy and that's why photography appeals to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm always i'm always trying to figure out how do i 
how do I release photos with as little Photoshop uh, work as possible? That's kind of <laughs> yeah. No, Photoshop can be very time consuming. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it's, I, I've, I've kind of been. I'm excited that the technology keeps moving for, for moving forward enough at a time that, like, okay, guess what? I don't have to bracket anymore. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And. And now I don't have to shoot blue hour when I'm shooting Milky Ways. I can, you know, within yeah. reason. But yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I can just go out there at night and take a picture and there's no noise in the shadows because the sensor is just that good. So, I think we're close to that. I think we're really I close actually to it. think we're really close to that. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. That's that's great. I love I love that uh, I love that that idea connected. I was I was out on a out on a limb there. I was kind of. I'm thinking, I wonder if she, I wonder if she feels the same way about this. Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. So the your art is one of the things I really love is that when I watch the stuff you're putting out, I I see something different. And I think when you shoot with somebody all the time, when you live with somebody and you're in a relationship, it can be easy to kind of conflate the artistic output. And have everything kind of begin to homogenize, but I, I think it's really interesting how, of course, you guys are helping each other. Of course, there's you know you're taking <laughs> pictures for each other, but sure. also, I'm I notice you have a different style in some ways than he does, mm-hmm. and I and I like that. How does do you think so? Is that something that you are aware of? I yeah, I do think so, and I think Nate does too. Mm-hmm. We, um, it's funny and just to because, be clear, I think that's a positive thing. <laughs> just, yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I do too. I do too. I think it's, I mean, when you are so close with someone living and working together, basically, you know, we're together all the time. I, you're so right. It's really easy to just pump out the same thing and sort of mesh into one being. But I think it was, it's been important for us as artists to still have our own lane and still have our own sense of self. I think that's yeah. really important just in a relationship in general, but also just for an artist to know who they are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it also comes down to, you know, my detail orientedness and Nate's not as much maybe like that definitely like parts of our personalities, I think come out in our work. Sure. And I think that's what helps um, differentiate it. But you know, he's, he has such a way with capturing wildlife that I, mm-hmm. I don't quite have. I think it doesn't speak to me as much. I think, yeah. Like I'm, there's something about just like a tranquil landscape. I'm very drawn to water. I'm a Pisces. I don't know if you're like into any of that or not. But um, um Aries. Okay, my rising um, sign I, is in Aries. All the uh, when I was in college, especially, I had somebody say I was basically like a bulldozer. I just kind of <laughs> I know where I'm going, and if you don't come with me, get out of the way. Typical Aries. Yeah. (laughs) I've always been like that. And I I feel like it's my wife, uh, we joke around. It's not that I'm cocky. I just, I'm just confident. Yeah. I mean, you're a fire sign. You're fiery. I just just know what I'm doing. I, I, at least, or or I think I do. And then I'm usually pretty good about about admitting when I'm, when I've barreled through and I was wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I very rarely doubt going into it. <laughs> That's an amazing quality to have. I mean, as a Pisces, we're very like indecisive. 
So I'm always kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know what I want to do. So I think having that sort of confidence of like, I'm just going to go in and do it. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I that's think great. I've, I've, I've probably met, you know, at least a dozen other people who are, you know, who are similar to me that are like, I go, Hey, when, when's your birthday? And we, we basically figure out their Aries as well, where we don't have stage fright. That's, mm. that is just not a thing with people like me. I, I, and I played when I was playing music. I mean, it didn't matter if I was, you know, in a coffee shop and there were five people there, or if I was at some big conference and there were 5,000 people, I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. So, um, and it, but it's not because I think I belong up there. I just don't mm-hmm. like, well, whatever, you know, Ugh. it's what it is. I, I think I'm just a realist. I'm like, well, I'm going to do well either way, or I'm going to make a mistake either way. It doesn't make any difference how many people are watching. I envy that because I have the same mentality where it's like, it literally doesn't matter. I'm a human. They're a human. We make mistakes, but we also do cool things. It doesn't matter. But my body, no, like I <laughs> will still like, shake no. and like, no, I have, to, I have to admit, Nate and I have been together for, I think like three and a half years. He has never seen me play piano. I will not play in front of him. Mm. Yeah. Does, does he hear you play piano from the other room? I think he's heard me, yes. I mean, you you know, I don't always play with like headphones in or anything, but yeah. I think he's heard me, but not it it being an obvious show. <laughs> does, that I, bo- does that bother him? I don't think so. I think he, I think he gets it, it in a sense. Yeah. Like I hear him play mandolin all the time and I, I, he doesn't really have much stage fright, but I think it stems this is a different little tangent. I'll make it fast, but I think it stems from when I was a kid, I had a pretty traumatic recital where I forgot what came next. And then I had to start over and it was incredibly traumatic to me as like a 10 year old, I think. And so I get really, really nervous about playing in front of people now. And I know it's really stupid, but it's just this thing where I just get really nervous. That's the uh, classic, uh, you know, that's, that's the, from a Hallmark movie or something like that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to start over. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was awful. I mean, nobody cared. It was like a 10-year-old playing piano, but it mattered to me. Partly, I think, because I'm I'm a perfectionist. You know, that detail orientation, it's like I can be pretty hard on myself if I yeah. if I mess up, even though I'm, I'm not hard on anyone else for messing up but myself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think... Um, looking at your career and your work, I think it served you well. I think you're, uh, I think you're okay. You nothing to worry about there. Well, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so, um, switching gears a little bit, you have been working with Sony, um, for, for a while now. Um, I think like, has it been about a year or so? Yeah, I think it's been, it's been a year and some change. Okay. Um, how did that come about and, and what has it been like? And I, and I know you mentioned we were chatting before we started about the Sony Alpha female um, program, but I'd, I'd love to know just kind of like, what is this, what has it been like? I think the, the typical answer is, oh, it's been amazing. And Sony has been so supportive. <laughs> and I, of course, want to hear that if it's true, mm-hmm. but I'd love to know how is it, like, how has it challenged you? Um, and mm. and how, how has it made thing kind of forced you to be better or forced you to kind of like take stock of what's going on? Yeah, that's that's a great way to phrase that, frame that. Um, yeah, I think so. I've been shooting with Sony since 2016. I want to say, gosh, 
yeah, 2016. Um, and I fell in love with what they were doing. I mean, they were innovating, you know, with the, the alpha line and I wanted to be part of it, obviously. Um, but then they came out with the Sony alpha female program the first year it came out and I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for this. I want to be part of Sony in some capacity because I love what they're doing. And I, at the time, I was like, this is incredible because no other camera brand is putting females first and giving us the fair opportunity because it's such a male-driven industry, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, this is fantastic. And so I, I applied and I didn't get it. And I was like, great, this is going to push me forward because I really want to work with them. So then the next round, I applied again and I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, man. And then I think it was about two weeks later, they called and asked if I would be an ambassador. And I was like, <gasps> no way. Um, and so that was incredibly humbling, first of all, because the team is legendary. I mean, absolutely legendary. And I felt like I was just this little tiny baby in the bottom of this pool of like amazing, beautiful koi fish. And I was just like a little tadpole. Um, so nice. it's been very, um, very challenging just trying to feel like I'm putting out work that's worthy of being a Sony ambassador. You know, um, everyone that is on the team is absolutely incredible and so supportive. Um, like you, it's, it's funny when you post something on social and you have all of your like Sony friends commenting and just like trying to be there for you and that's awesome because i right. feel like the photography community can get a little bit competitive where right. you're like oh i like this photo but i'm not going to comment i'm not going to give that satisfaction i don't know there's like this weird like competitiveness mm -hmm. that i really dislike but i love that the sony team feels like a, a little family no that's great that's 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 good to hear when i you mentioned it sony it, the really featuring women and and building out a program to make sure that that they're not doing it to be patronizing like no. that's one of the one of the things that's really interesting is that there there is no you know quote unquote token uh females involved with the, the sony program from what i can see and i'm as an outsider perspective i've mm -hmm. i've been shooting on sony cameras since 2012 so back before the uh alpha series existed and yeah. it's it's been interesting to kind of watch how this has come about and to when you go look at the the pages for the alpha collective and the um the sony artisans is it's it's inspiring to see how many super talented women are involved and are given the, you know they're not presented as second class um, or, or in a smaller number than the men in the group. And I, I really find that inspiring because Sony is still the only one doing it. Like that's the part that's yeah. kind of crazy is we're now what three, probably mm -hmm. nearly three years into this Sony alpha female, not just the, the, um, the men, the mentorship intern program, but also just them pursuing this as a, as something they care about. Mm -hmm. And the other companies are not keeping up they're not even trying from what it, from, is, is how it looks yeah it's it's actually shocking because women make up such a huge portion of the photography community in certain segments like 
wedding photography. That's mm-hmm. primarily women from at least my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so little support for them for, from Nikon or Canon or, you know, the other companies. And it's really shocking that in 2021, there aren't any other companies doing the same thing. Like you said, it's, and I love that Sony now this year, they launched, um, the alpha female plus program, mm-hmm. right. which is, you know, they're really trying to grow like, you know, underrepresented voices, which is incredible. And yeah. again, none of the other companies are doing that. And it's sad to me because as a woman, as a woman, when I'm out in the field, the, what I have to deal with is very frustrating. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, as a man, if you've had any experiences, but anytime I go out shooting with Nate and somebody sees that he has a camera, they talk to him and him alone. And I'll try to interject and talk about camera things. And it's like, I'm there, like, it's like they glaze over and that I, I don't matter. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting. It's really frustrated me at first um, when I was like really starting into it. I've kind of grown to ignore it now, but, and sort of make my, try to make myself a little bit more present, I guess. But yeah. it's something that can definitely get you down really, really quickly from someone just saying, oh, you're a woman. So therefore, you can't be a great landscape photographer. Do you find that that's a generational thing at all? Or is it kind of across all age groups and that sort of thing? Um, you know, I think it's across all age groups that, yeah. that we've experienced it with. That it's that, And, you know, I will admit Nate is more extroverted than I am. So he's he talks more than I do, but still. <laughs> that's an understatement, you right? Know, you know, anytime... <laughs> Like we're conversing about something and someone comes up and then they just ask him all the questions and it's like, I'm here too with a camera. Yeah. So it, it's just really fascinating to see. And it, it hasn't really changed much even with, you know, Sony coming out with this program. But I think we're just sort of the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think it's, yeah. it's changing. It's just slowly. Well, one thing that I th- I've thought was interesting is that, well, I mean, this is, this is a, a good um a good one the new video um release for the a1 camera Mm -hmm. had had your old roommate in it yeah as as one of the featured artists um you know showcasing what this thing can do and i mean a lot of the footage in there was from her expedition that she did totally which was which was really cool um awesome yeah, there yeah. was another another uh, the artisan as well who was a female, and I was just like, yes, yeah. like they, yeah. Cr- a Christina the... Mittermeier was all over that video. Yeah, yeah, which was cool. She is, ugh, she's one of my heroes. She's but... kind of next. She's kind of next level, right? I mean, oh yeah, I mean, she is on another planet. <laughs> it's 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 always and it's interesting to me to see the um, that her and Paul are both uh, involved with Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they both are kind of doing their own. I mean, they're, they're doing things together, but they both have their own voice. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that she has her own voice that she's yes. not ever. It's never presented as like, oh yeah, this is Paul Nicholson's wife. Right. It's right. Oh gosh. It, it, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Right. I, and I've never met her, but I've, I've gotten the sense that she has such a strong voice that you, you can't, you couldn't do that. That wouldn't, wouldn't even fly. No. And she was she's been on the Sony team for years yeah, yeah, and years for sure. and they just got Paul. Right. So yeah, no, she's, 
absolutely fantastic. I think I would faint if I met her. <laughs> well, if you're if you're doing the Sony thing for very long, it's bound to happen. That's true. I'm I'm really bummed that the the first year of my ambassadorship, the big get together, the condo was virtual this year. I was really bummed. Yeah. Although it was kind of funny because I've never. <laughs> I, you know, I'm also a full-time photographer and um, primarily commercial and lifestyle work. And I could never justify like the expense to go to it. So I was all stoked this year when it was virtual. I'm like, hey, cool. I get to be part of this because I, I I would love to go. <laughs> Every time I'm like at that price tag going, well, <sighs> that, looks like market, that looks like marketing money or um, an upgrade to my computer or... Uh, saving for my kids college <laughs> but yeah that's that's I, so true that's true but i hope it happens at some point uh I, I, that looks like an amazing opportunity well so that's that's really cool what is your what do you hope happens with um with that program you know what what do you what do you hope to see sony accomplish with that and how do you want to be part of it I just hope it continues to grow. Like this year it expanded to the female plus and they're giving out more grants. And I just hope that they keep continuing down this road of like amplifying these voices. And then finally it gets to a point where alpha female is a huge part of the photography community. Yeah. Like right now it feels kind of like a small little subset and I hope that it, they grow it to be what it can be. You know, I think it has huge potential because there are so many women out there who feel exactly like me, like that their mm -hmm. voices kind of get hushed. So, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, I, um, during the, the Kando event in the summertime and, and in this, uh, this last, um, creative, I don't know what they called it, but that big fancy weekend thing with all the teaching that happened back in November, I think, or maybe early December, Creative space. Uh, creative space, yeah. Yep. I totally fanboyed out over Taylor Ree's documentary work. Yeah. I'm She's such a giant fan. And and I I'm one of those people that I'm like, yeah, I think Renan's cool, but I think she's <laughs> really, really cool. And so um I'm it's exciting to me to see people that um where it's just these are serious artists that are doing really really meaningful work i love seeing mm -hmm. that celebrated i love the i love people like that being rounded up and and given opportunities and given resources and and given the the, the push of, of a company like sony to say hey like we believe in what this is because some of the some of the documentaries that she's been putting out mm -hmm. they are they're so meaningful and yeah and I love seeing that. I love to be being like, um, that's stuff I believe in. And it's cool to see a company put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. I mean, you can very easily tell that they genuinely care that it's not just a marketing ploy. Like you can yeah. tell they genuinely care. I mean, the people who run the entire like alpha collective and the artisan teams, like they're women. It's awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah. Well, we've been we've been rambling on that for a while. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it. and it's I'm I'm excited for you because it's it's uh it'll be fun when they open these things up because I know they take you guys on some pretty amazing trips. So Oh yeah, I hope they continue that. <laughs> here's hoping it opens up soon, yeah. Yes. Cool. So you are what's what's coming up next? What is the stuff that you mentioned the moon the moon series? Mm-hmm. But what's the what's the stuff that's got you excited about being a photographer right now? And and what do you 
obviously you can't share everything. You can't tell us all the secrets <laughs> that you're up to. Um, but I'm, what are your goals? What are you, what are the things you're hoping to do over the next, you know, couple of years? Yeah. I am, you know, light side up really lit a fire under me and I am so excited to just photograph Aurora. Like I am so stoked on it that I am really sad that it's February now and it's dwindling. But um, that's kind of what I, I've i put into my goals is just I want to photograph more Aurora. I love teaching about the Aurora. So I'm um, I'm teaching in two days, February, or yeah, February 12th at the Night Photo Summit, um, talking about Aurora and basically just continuing this exploration of night photography. I'm, I'm, I'm into it, but I feel like there's so much more to dig deep and I'm Mm -hmm. just really excited to sort of further that. Um, as far as like commercial projects, um, I have some, but I cannot disclose at this point. (laughs) Hey, I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Sometimes they're exciting. Sometimes they're just lucrative. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I I get it. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's cool though. Well, I, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll applaud when they happen. You, uh, make sure, make sure you say something. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully Norway will let Americans in soon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I've never been, I am, one of those kind of home i stay fairly close to home and it's a lot of that's because i have three teenagers and and a wife and two big dogs and a mortgage and all that stuff so i i don't travel a whole lot but i'm always uh i'm living vicariously when you guys are posting photos from over there and um i i'm guilty of watching under an arctic sky probably three dozen times (laughs) yeah you know just going someday someday i'll get over there um, yeah, you but, have to you have to make it happen. I know it's such a hassle when you have so many things tying you to a place, but one trip and it'll change your life, I promise. So I I actually went to it was it wasn't Norway, but I I spent a summer in Alaska when I was gosh, like 18, 19 years old, something like that. And saw an absolutely breathtaking Aurora Borealis over Mount McKinley, mm. um, backpacking. Um, and it, it just, just blew my mind. And of course this is, I'm old enough that that was way before digital cameras were a thing. So sure. <laughs> I, I think I was carrying a disposable panorama camera with me on that trip. I have some, I have some cool pictures, but nothing of the night sky. Cause you, you know, you're, yeah, not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not shooting a disposable Kodak uh, panorama <laughs> camera at night. In, in 1995. So. Oh, wow. That sounds spectacular. Oh, it you was were, amazing. You were there in the summer? Yeah. Yeah. What time would specifically this was just like, the midnight sun? This is like, yeah. So this is like, um, when we finally saw it, it was like three in the morning, mm. like between two thirty, three thirty, 30, something like that. Um, and it probably would have been like, I'm guessing like either right at the end of August or early September. Oh, Okay. Yeah, oh, that sounds so great. It was cr- and it was crazy because we weren't really expecting it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's summer. You're not expecting yeah. it. Yeah, and and it and it had been the mountain had been hiding behind a, a big giant bank of clouds for days. We were. Um, have you spent any time around Mount McKinley? Oh yes. Okay, well, I know you. I know you spent time in Alaska. I knew the mm-hmm. you know Nate and I talked about the the gates of the Arctic. Um, yep. 
So we were there and we went and we did some backpacking in Denali National Park, which was great and fun and, and I mean, really beautiful and, and just breathtaking. And then when we were done, we left the National Park and we went out to Denali State Park, which is mm. on the, mm-hmm. I want to say, south side of McKinley. So you're looking at it from the back side, um, opposite from what, you know, the iconic pictures from the National Park. Sure. And so we, we were up on this crazy ridge line, like I think like less than 20 miles from the mountain on the backside. And we went to bed, you know, I mean, as much as you can go to bed when there's no, <laughs> yeah. dark. but we, we, we got, we got tents set up. We went to sleep. And then at, you know, two 30 in the morning, one of the guys that was with us just started screaming, get up. Northern lights are going off. And so we all, <laughs> we all like, oh, we're, you know, running around in our long underwear and just, out there, and you know, of course, nobody had nobody had cameras. We were all just yeah sitting, sitting and watching um, for you know like a good hour until it faded out. So I've experienced it. I just haven't yeah. done it with a camera yet. There's something pretty fantastic about t- taking your first photo of the Northern Lights and yeah. just being like, "Wow, yeah, it's incredible." It's one of my favorite. I think it's it is my favorite workshop that we do every year. Is just seeing people's first reactions to not just seeing them. I mean, seeing them is incredible too, but their first photos of it and just that stoke yeah. and the excitement. It's it's so fun. Yeah. No, that's that's super exciting. I um I hope for more of that for you. And I hope that at some point I get to maybe tag along and, and meet up with you guys there. That would be awesome. Be yeah, blast. you've got to see them again and yeah, capture yeah. them this time. I was I was much I was a much younger man then. Um I'm 45 now, and I think I was like 18 at the time, maybe mm. 19. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was 19. It's time. Time flies. Yeah, yeah, it sure, certainly does. My my oldest is 17, and he turns 18 in October. So, wow, it's uh, it definitely does fly. Yeah, I can't believe I'm almost 31 now. It's like I was just 18. You're getting to be an old lady. I know. <laughs> I got my cross stitching and everything. I've hit old lady status. <laughs> nice. Uh, my mother actually t- has taken up crocheting um, d- because of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you're, you're on your way. Yep. I love to crochet <laughs> also. So, you know. Very cool. Yeah. I have, you know, it's funny is at the beginning, my, my mom was making some stuff and she was making a lot of like blankets and she made some, like she started off with like doilies and. Uh, and some you know, uh, hot pads and stuff like that for the kitchen. And I, and she started making some hats for like some of my, um, like my sister's kids. And I just said, Hey, do you have any Merino wool? And she's like, I may look, I may look and see. And so she bought some Merino wool and then she made hats for my whole family. And Aww. the hat she made me is awesome. It is my favorite, um, you know, skull cap, uh, you know, beanie beanie hat that i've ever had it's that's super awesome. warm and it looks cool and it's like it's just the right color and everything so her crocheting is a win in my book I that my is made something really cool that i'll actually wear so awesome i love yeah. that because <laughs> it's hit okay. or miss you know with moms what they yeah, make no, you, you yeah know? yeah yeah well she she wasn't ever she was never really crafty like that um i think she did some cross stitching when i was younger but um but it's it was it was kind of cool to to have her go. Hey, I made this and I put it on. And, and you know, you're kind of like nervous. You go, I don't know if this is going to be yeah. what this is going to be like. And I put it on. I was like, that's cool. And then my wife put on hers, and like, it's cool. And so all and and all three of my kids. 
Gamal made us great hats. We like these. So no Good complaints. Good job, mom. Uh, and and without the pandemic, it probably wouldn't have never would have never happened. Well, there you go. So something good has come from this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we are coming up on an hour here. Actually, we're over an hour. But I would love to know two things. First of all, I'd love to know if there are any people that you think would be a good fit, um, people that I should talk to for this podcast. I think you should talk to Coco Perry. Okay. She was um, one of the first Sony Alpha females, and she's a stop motion artist, and she is absolutely incredible. I am so inspired by her all the time, so she would be a really interesting one. Okay, cool. I'll definitely look into it. And I, is this somebody you can introduce me to? Yes. Perfect. That's that's the best <laughs> the best kind. It's yeah. the people have a hard time saying no when you when you, like I was on there. You should do it too. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's awesome. Very cool. Uh, anybody else? Um, did you do? Have you had Brian Conley on yet? I, you know, I've been trying. We we've been Facebook messaging for a few months, and I keep pestering him every so often. So now you can pester him too. Okay. Yeah, I'll pester him. Yeah, because I I love his work and and I he was a little reluctant and I and I've had a few people that just say I don't know if I I don't know I don't know if I have anything to say I'm like of course you have something to say yeah especially I mean especially Brian he is yeah. he's a really great dude yeah yeah very cool okay well I'll I will you and Nate both tell him answer Dan's uh, <laughs> uh, in, uh, Facebook message and schedule a, an interview. All right, we'll do. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Autumn, what's um, what's the best way? What, where would you prefer people to go look at the work that you're putting out there? Well, you can find me on Instagram as Autpops. That's probably the place where I post most frequently. So, cool, very cool. Yeah. Um, and then I will put in. I'll put a link to that, and maybe a couple of those moon moon photos. We'll put them in the show notes. So people yeah. Can, people can find that stuff, um, and then. I'm assuming you, just because I, I know that there's always scheming going on, I'm assuming you guys have some big projects in the works too. Is that probably the best place to hear about that stuff? Yes, that in Twitter. So I'm, I'm not just around the interwebs in general as Ot Pops, but yeah. Cool. Yep. I, 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 I've, it's funny because I've been on Twitter since like 2008 and I, I, I kind of have gone in spurts where I just ignore it and then I come back mm-hmm. and, and then I ignore it for a little while. And then I come back, and and recently it's been a fairly entertaining place to be. Um, so yeah, I I'll, feel the I'll exact definitely... same way. <laughs> it was a little toxic there for a while, and I kind of decided to just reclaim it a little bit. Um, yeah, and just go, hey, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put stuff out there, and I'm gonna have conversations, and it's it cracks me up. It's I love that it feels like there's a it's a little bit um, it's a little more fleeting. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little, a little more. You can just kind of throw out there what you know, stream of consciousness, what you're thinking about, and people don't take it quite as seriously. They just kind of, you know, you don't have to. It doesn't feel so curated. I think is what. Yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. I've also just found the interactions in general to be more meaningful. Yeah. No, I feel like there's this facade on Instagram. That, you yeah. know, people kind of hide behind it, like you said. I just curated. Well, I think Instagram is, is funny because I, I don't have a huge following, you know, a little over 3000 people and it's taken years to build up to that. Um, and I think it's easy for when you don't have a big following to kind of cr- be critical of it or to get down on it and go, oh, I can't ever grow that. And nobody 
pays any attention to me on there. But I, I have found more and more that if I post the things that I like, that makes me happy. And if I try to post something to try to make something happen or to try to elicit some reaction, that usually makes me unhappy. Yep. So Twitter is kind of great because I just put whatever I want out there and I'll, I'll like and retweet political stuff and funny stuff and memes and it's yep. great. And I have a blast with it. I don't worry about who's following me. Yeah. I feel like Twitter, yeah, you can bring in sort of all of your pieces of you where Instagram is kind of just like the photos the, you post, but the word you're looking for there is weirdness. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I retweet Lord of the Rings things all the time. Of course. It's like, I don't care. You know, yeah, that's something that perfect. I'm interested in. And... And well, you should. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much again. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, go take pictures.